you're essentially setting yourself in that position of God and you're saying, thanks for creating me, God. I can take it from here. And that is really like kind of the root of where everything goes sideways in the Bible. Welcome back to the Roots and Branches podcast. This is Paul Arnerberg, your host. This is episode four of our plan to do about three episodes a month in our campaign, Deepening Roots and Growing Branches through New Life Evangelical Free Church in Hastings, Minnesota. We are so glad you joined us, that you have joined us, and we do hope that you are already learning and also being inspired for what your role may be. We're primarily speaking to the members and regular attenders of New Life Church in Hastings, but we do hope that our uh, range of podcast listeners can also be inspired about how to develop and to do, disciple by doing, uh, in your call as the Lord leads and empowers your lives. Uh, Pastor Brent Complin is with me, as he always is, and he's going to give a recap of the first three episodes. Before I turn it over to him, though, just to re- want to remind you, if you are listening through our website, you also may hear this anywhere you get your podcast: Android, Apple, anywhere. Just look for Roots and Branches, New Life Church, Hastings, Minnesota. Pastor Brent. Great. Well, if you've been listening to the last couple episodes that we've had, um, we spent some time just talking about the image of God and how the um, beginning chapters of Genesis, Genesis 1 and 2, outline who God is, who we are, what kind of creation he's made. And we just want to review a bit of that because it's going to connect to what we're going to talk about today, which is the curse. We're going to talk about Genesis 3. Um, so just to review, Genesis 1 begins with God, the creator eternally existing before all things, standing over and above and powerful over the material world as he creates out of nothing. And he speaks and the world comes to to be an ordered and beautiful and good and purposeful creation with the culmination being his image bearers, uh, men and women, male and female. And there's these different dynamics of what we talked about, the image of God being... uh, that, that in our, our ontology, our being, that we are like God and that we have, uh, we have a spirit. Like there's, a, there's a spiritual component and a soul in it of who we are and in our inner being. That there's a functional dynamic where we, uh, we are stewards of God's creation. We work and keep. We cultivate and preserve or protect what God has made. Um, and we're also like little creators. We don't yes. make out of nothing, no. but we do uh, create and we take the good things that God made and... Uh, we can form and fashion and shape things for God's glory. And then we also talked about the relational dynamic. We have a relationship with God. We also have a relationship with each other and with the rest of creation. And God's asked us to uh, follow and obey him and live under his authority and then um, be stewards over what he has made for his glory. And so that's just a quick review Mm -hmm. because that's going to connect to this next chapter of Genesis, which we're going to look at today, which is Genesis chapter 3. The bad news. Yes, the bad news. Well, what we're going to talk about, now that we've had that foundation, I think sometimes we, we can jump very quickly, and our culture has a problem in, in a lot of ways, talking about something like sin. Mm-hmm. Because if you don't set the foundation first of the kind of creation God made, who he is, who we are, um, then having that conversation about what gets turned upside down, what what is lost in the fall, what is idolatry, what is sin, what is cursed, you got to have that foundation first. Yes. So now as we open up to Genesis chapter 3, we're going to see a few things that connect directly back to those first couple chapters. So here's a couple of things to point out. One of the first things that happens um, is this questioning of God's authority. Mm. Uh, you know, we're not going to necessarily read the chapter here, but 
Paul, you, you know, you can see in this chapter, there's a questioning of God's authority that comes through the influence of Satan as he comes into the, the picture. Here. His authority and his word. The very first question out of Satan's mouth, did God really say, to imitate Frank Peretti, who did a great uh, <laughs> God's way or my way thing many years ago. When, when Satan questioned God's word, that set the precedent for all sin, all rebellion, and all curse. God's word is true. You question it, you're in trouble. And that's to our detriment. It's not because we are supposed to be blindly obedient, but we are obedient because he said so and he loves us. Yeah, absolutely. And the the, the beginning part of that chapter of one describes God as creator standing in this place of, of authority over everything that's made. That question, did God really say, is essentially, you know, when you when you sort of live into that or you, you embrace that question, um, you can, you're essentially setting yourself in that position of God, and you're saying, okay, thanks for making, thanks for creating me, God. I can take it from here. Yes. And that is really like kind of the root of where everything goes sideways in the Bible. Um, but I think that that also is an expression of what it looks like to, you know, for the curse of sin in our own lives. Sometimes we uh, want to put ourselves on the throne. Yes. That's, that's like how we're wired apart from Christ, is we're going to imagine ourselves as being in control and being able to sort of manage our own destiny. And then, uh, you know, dethrone God from the place that he really belongs. Yes. Yeah, and that, that whole fallacy where we think we're saved, or we know we're saved, but then after salvation, we have to somehow work it out on our own strength. Or let's say God answers a major prayer for a vocation, for a spouse, for a dream, whatever the case may be, and then we have to eke it out on our own strength. No, it's, it's all God's grace, and that also calls us to be constantly plugged into him, his word, because we can't just say we've ever arrived this side of heaven. We constantly need the Lord, and that was Adam and Eve's major mistake. They had this perfect paradise, and once they took their eyes off his word and his relationship, yeah. then everything went south, and that's where we are today. Yeah, and the, uh, the, the temptation that Satan puts in front of them is, if you eat of this fruit, you'll become like God. Mm. The reality of the path that these that Adam and Eve are on is they're already made in God's image. That God has them on this path of following Him, obeying Him, living for His glory. That they can live into reflecting His glory in their life, but it's going to be um, it's a process that God grows your character and develops you into as they become stewards, as they walk that path. And Satan's essentially offering them a shortcut. Mm-hmm. He's saying you can. If you want to do, if you want to do, if you want to do this the easy way, um, you can take the shortcut. And and ironically, or not ironically, but what's so cool about the story of the scriptures is you fast forward to Matthew chapter four, when Jesus is being tempted in yes. the wilderness by Satan. The same questions come forward with just slightly different language. Yes. It's like you want a shortcut, turn that rock into bread. Mm-hmm. You want a shortcut to having power in this world obey me and I'll give you all the kingdoms of this earth. Mm -hmm. And Jesus, unlike Adam and Eve, he resists that temptation and he lives into the true reality of what it means to be fully human um, in obedience to God. And so, uh, you see the opposite of that happening in Genesis chapter 3. Yeah, the, the Bible is full of shortcuts, and and sometimes things aren't sinful because they're inherently sinful or inherently evil. They're sinful because God told us to not do it a certain way. Think of uh, Abraham and Sarah as you were speaking, how Sarah got impatient and said, okay, I, I'm not having a kid. Uh, here's Keturah, not Keturah. Here is uh, Hagar, my, my maidservant. And then you go ahead and have a kid with Hagar. And that yeah. wasn't God's will. And so it, it's everything that is done out of God's timing 
wandering out of his will is sin, even if it may not inherently be against the Ten Commandments per se. And yeah. so shortcut, I like how you use that word because it's such an easy way to picture that a shortcut that isn't God's will is sinful because we aren't doing it according to what he asked and to patiently wait for his will as we're asking. Yep. And so in this chapter, we're going to see some of those foundational elements, and you're alluding to, to some of them, uh, of what it means to have God be the creator, us be his image bearers, and then us to live into the stewardship relationally with God, but also relationally with each other, and then how we, we live in this world, that they get cursed, they get marred, they get subverted, they get turned upside down, yep. things get sideways, and here's what they are. If you go through the chapter uh, of chapter three, you're going to see uh, you're going to see God confront that um, subverting of His place of authority. You, you're going to see the relational dynamic between God and the and and the people uh, change because they get banished from the garden. Mm-hmm. So, like you get cast out of God's presence, and if you're full of sin, you can't be in the whole presence of a holy God. And so, um, relationship is broken between God and humanity relationship is broken between human beings and each other as you see the curse between Eve and Adam mm-hmm. you see relationship between human beings and the rest of creation yes um, and then you see work you see the very fruitfulness we were called to become toil and there be thorns and thistles on the ground like mm-hmm. everything gets turned upside down that you saw was good in chapters one and two and verse 19 the ultimate curse is death. In fact, that reminds me of the New yeah. Testament where I think it's Paul, I think it's 1 Corinthians 15, the last enemy to be destroyed is death. Yeah. And that is an enemy of our souls, and it's because of the curse, because of sin. And when we get later on to talk about the gospel, uh, the wonderful thing of the gospel is death will be destroyed forever in the lake of fire. So that's that's going to the other bookend. But, yeah. but look at 19. That is so bad that we, that we are we are toiling all our lives, but there is good news in all this wicked cursedness. Yes, absolutely there is. And the, 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 the important thing for us to observe as we talk about Genesis 3, because we are going to tie this into sort of the future story yes. and like where does the trajectory of the Bible go, is we need to make sure it's really clear mm. that our relationship with God is now alienated, separated, is there needs to be repair and restoration of that relationship. And so something needs to be done for that to, to occur. Something needs to change and transform deep within us. There's a curse over the relationships with each other. There's a curse over relationships and how we relate to the rest of the, the creation. There's even a misunderstanding of ourselves and in placing ourselves in a place of authority. And we need a, a humility, which is putting yourself in the proper order or the proper place. We need to understand um, who we really are and recover that sense of being God's image bearers and, and being his creatures that serve him. Yes, I, I, I just was reading this morning uh, Psalm 131. I love that psalm. And it talks about, Lord, my eyes are not haughty or proud. Uh, they're not too lifted up. I don't think of things too beyond me. But I've rested my soul like a child weaned with his mother. And the reason I bring that up now is because the Bible is rife with the idea of humility before the Lord. But then when you talk about also how we re- relate to the Lord, it's also not false humility. Like, I am nothing. I'm a worm. Well, if you're in Christ, you are a new creation and you are a son or a daughter of God. So let's not forget that because uh, the proper identity, yes, we are sinners, but we're also restored in that, again, I'm, I'm tying together both mm-hmm. bookends here, but it's, um, 
We need both and. We both need a proper understanding of our sin, but then in Christ, a proper understanding of our salvation as well. Yeah, ab- yep, that's right. And we're going to get to that in the next uh, episode here. We are going to bring in our guest for this episode four. His name is Ernest Stellingworth. He's new to New Life. I remember standing behind him and his wife, Julie, in our potluck line at our uh, Vision Launch Sunday back in October 2nd. He has 30 years of experience in management leadership, recently came here from the West Coast, and he is making his home with Julie here in the Hastings area. Ernest, why don't you talk about your experience in the marketplace? How have you noticed and noticed, how have you seen that? The marketplace is cursed, and people see a, a bad view of work, especially with all your years of managing people in the marketplace. Yeah, thanks, Paul. Um, you know, probably looking at it from what what it should be. You know, God gave us a role to to fill the earth, to subdue it, to to use our creative powers to build beautiful things, and and a lot of that has to do with how we do it to God's glory, but also to help others and to help society. Mm-hmm. And what I've seen a lot of is that that people get caught up in in their own little stories and, and it's all about them. It's it becomes their identity. You know, my work now is who I am. Especially men, likely. In my experience, men tend to say, I am my job. Yeah. And they can't compartmentalize as well. Yeah, and I've seen that quite a bit with uh, some of the women that I've worked with as well. Um, You know, another piece that slips in there, too, is the idea of making a name for ourselves, Mm -hmm. the pride in what we do. You know, you talk to people and the first thing you ask is, well, what what do you do? Mm-hmm. You know, it becomes yeah. um, the identity, but it's also a pride thing, kind of like the Tower of Babel. You know, oh, want yeah. to build up something and make a name for ourselves. Yes. Um, and then what I mentioned just, you know, right at the start too, that it's working for our own sake, mm-hmm. you know, for for money, for leisure, for the things that we can get from it. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that, you know, a big piece of what, God meant for us when when he created us for work was was one to to display his image in us because God worked mm-hmm. but also to to be able to help others to be a part a productive part of society and 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 so there's that piece of working for others that I think is really lost as well Working for others, so not merely for a paycheck, not merely out of obligation, and certainly not merely out of fame or notoriety or arrogance in in the sense of, like, uh, I am building my own kingdom. Uh, So how do people individually, uh, how do they find their role in the marketplace with regard to their giftings, not merely to make money and not merely because, let's say, their family legacy is you should be a lawyer or you should do this or that. How do they find really their niche according to God's calling and their individual image-bearing gifts? Yeah, well, there's there's a lot to that. There, You know, you take a look at what your experiences are because God provides experiences that, yes. that prepare you for work that mm-hmm. he's prepared for you. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's also looking at just, you know, what have you done that you've done well? Um, what what sort of passions has God given you? You know, that, those also are things that you can look at. And so it's, it's taking all of those kind of things, you know, who God created you to be, 
and it takes all those things and you look at those and 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 identify from that just the direction that you might want to go and then from there you just try things you prototype mm-hmm. you know when uh-huh. when i was looking at at how to take some of the the coaching and my desire to to help people grow and learn in their career you know i started looking at volunteering at a nonprofit organization i started coaching and doing some book studies with the with my reports at work mm-hmm. you know i started um mentoring some youth at my church and just tried things and some of them worked out really great others not so much and so once i have an ad- direction i just start trying things yes even here in hastings since you moved here you shared with me that you went to the hastings city council meeting one time and you've now been volunteering at ripe radish farm with suzanne schmidt who also goes to new life and uh you are well meeting with me and and with others Uh, in fact one thing i'm going to slip in here as a plug for yourself and we had brunch for two hours and and right away within within an hour you said here are four words that describe your giftings paul uh you've you've created a business slash ministry in your juggling group you uh, practice hospitality, you have communication, and creating space, the idea of having a, a place where people feel at home and they have options and things like that. How can you just look at somebody and see that? Because, of course, we have a whole gamut, even in New Life, which is a relatively small church, we have people that are all across the personality spectrum, the age spectrum, the education spectrum, and the, um, I would call it, vocational gifting spectrum. How can you look at people like that and then help them to have the confidence? You mentioned, and I'm keying off of what you just said, trying different things. How do we even know what's worth trying? Yeah, I think it starts with just a recognition that God has created each one of us for a purpose. Mm. And, you know, you can go to Ephesians 2.8 where it says, we are God's workmanship, you know, he created us yes. in Christ Jesus to do those good works that he prepared in advance for mm-hmm. us to do. So he's he's got a plan for our lives. And that plan isn't just ministry, uh, you know, in the, in the traditional sense, but it's all it includes just how we live in this world and mm-hmm. take care of this world. And so you if having that curiosity about, okay, Paul, what is it that God has given you? And it shouldn't be a, a Easter egg hunt or, you know, mm-hmm, it, it, it should be quite obvious. Yes. And so having that curiosity and just looking at how God has created, created us and then taking that and saying, okay, how can I use that for his glory, for the benefit of society and to provide for my needs and my family, you know, those are, that's a big piece of it. Yes. So it, it should be obvious. There's the, in a sense, you're talking about learning by doing. When you're going to Hastings City Council meetings and volunteering on the farm and having brunch with guys from church or, or anyone from church, uh, the other factor that Brent brought up in our, in our pre-interview uh, uh, meeting, he said that even when we do find a niche, whether it's a, a home run of a career choice or an ideal ministry situation, we're still going to find pushback, whether it's just living in a cursed world, whether it's spiritual warfare. How do you advise people then to push through that uh, where they might see a setback as saying, oh, God's blessing is removed, or maybe I'm not supposed to do this, versus no, we have to work through some of these issues even if we're in an ideal situation. Yeah, and and that's a, a really good point because we do live in in a 
sinful world that is being renewed. God is doing that work, and it's kind of that now but not yet uh, yes. <laughs> kind of thing, and that applies to our work as well. And so I think having that self-awareness of who God created you to be and and with that self-awareness and that recognition, being able to then to continue with that path, even when the difficult things come up, because they do and they will. Um, and that's a part of living in this world of now, but not yet, you mm-hmm. know, and, and the redeeming peace is happening. Mm-hmm. And so because of that, there are a lot of good things in what we do and what we see in our work, but it's not yet. And that means that there's going to be challenges, those thistles and thorns mm-hmm. in the, the the farming example, but, you know, just conflicts and, and misused money or whatever it might be. All of those things mm-hmm. will raise their, their ugly head and make it difficult. Yes. And as you were speaking, I, I was thinking about how good you are already that I've known you for two months at connecting. And I know back in the Seattle area, you and Julie were really involved in your church. And here it was a big priority to find a church. Talk about how the local body comes in to encourage people in their work in as much as whether it's uh, sharpening each other to stay the course in a job or maybe to find a new job, but also just to find community as a way to encourage us to run the race that is set before us. Yeah, I mean, the, 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 the one and other passages in the Bible, the encouraging, the strengthening, the guiding, you know, all of those are, are very important. The piece that I think doesn't get spoken a lot about is just as Christians, I think we have a really unique role to play in encouraging people in their vocations. Mm. I think the people who want to become artists, they should be saying, oh, we should go to the church and find out what they, you know, can teach us. You know, people who want to be mechanics should be saying, oh, we should go to the church to see what they can teach us Mm -hmm. or gardeners, you know, because we are so uniquely placed to 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 recognize what God's purpose is for us in this world and to really take it to another level. Mm-hmm. You know, we should be at the art gallery in the in the city, you know, where people come to see good art or good music mm-hmm. and you know, we should be the the place they come when they have, you know, when they need seminars or training on how to run a business or you know, all of those things because we really do have the truth around those things and and can bring i think a much stronger and a much more robust picture to to people who who need to be guided in those things yeah complete picture too to see it's it's not just for the paycheck it's not just for our fame and glory it is for god's glory but all along the way we are blessed because of the joy one of my prayers that i pray most often for whatever situation lord i pray this brings you glory me joy and others good it's that trifecta where it's Mm -hmm. the lord it's our neighbor and it's ourselves and that's anything. And, and by the way, I, I love uh, Martin Luther is one of my favorite reformers, and he championed work as yeah. a noble vocation. He yeah. he wanted to say, let's not say to be a priest or a pastor is the only true calling that brings God pleasure and brings others salvation and sanctification. It is anything you do. And you mentioned yeah. mechanics. Yeah. I love that. Matt McCall here is my mechanic here in our church. And I love the fact that we can glorify God in every grease spot and and a typo yeah. and and sermon and gardening project or 
whatever the case is, we we don't have to leave anything of God's creation aside. Yeah, and and you mentioned you know to God's glory for our own benefit for the benefit of others. The last piece that I would add to that is for the benefit of the community, because God created us to fill the earth, and a part of that is to have a community that supports it, itself. And you're saying the body of Christ and the local broader I, community? I think it, it's beyond just the body of Christ. I agree. You know, the humankind. <laughs> yep, I agree. It, it goes beyond. And in fact, when we're really obedient, it, it really goes beyond all we can ask or imagine regarding how the ripples can go out and affect people with our work. Any last uh, closing thoughts, Ernest? Uh, just just again, the, the joy and the, the comfort and the encouragement that comes from knowing that God has a purpose and a plan for each one of us with whatever gifts and skills he's given to us. Thank you very much. I like that alliteration, purpose and plan. Our guest has been Ernest Stellingworth, a member or a regular attender here at New Life Evangelical Free Church. And uh, we thank you for listening to episode four. Look forward to the next episodes coming up. And uh, we thank you again for listening to Roots and Branches here at New Life in Hastings.